You are now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. Some great music this morning. Great worship. Um, Katie was singing that last song. It goes so well with the conclusion, the bottom line for the message today. I just want to go ahead and give it to you up front, and it'll be on the screen here in just a few moments. But when we know what God says... When we know what God says, and we only know what God says through reading his word, so when we know what God says, we begin to see what God sees. And when we see as God sees, we're more apt to do as God says. If I could see things the way God sees things, I would just do the things God says do. But that's not the way we live our lives. We kind of see things the way we see things, and we hope God sees it our way. But if we look into the word of God, there's power there. And so today, I'm talking to you about feeding ourselves. One of the things that, I'm not a high anxiety person, but one of the things that gives me the most anxiety is watching my grandkids try to learn to feed themselves with a spoon. I just get anxious over it. And because they miss their mouths most of the time, you know, especially like I've kind of got this thing with them. If I'm picking them up from school, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. <laughs> so today we're going to get on the right track. But when I take them to, I have this thing that when I pick my kids up from school um, or the grandkids up from school, there's kind of this thing pops takes them to sweet frog. And so here's a picture of us at Sweet Frog not too long ago. And this little guy back here is Baker. Baker is one year old, and Baker is trying to learn to use a spoon. And if you've ever seen a one-year-old try to use a spoon, they are just not good at it. And you can't see his shirt that well, but there is yogurt all over it. I think at some point on the, later on in this visit, I just took the shirt off and just let him get it all over him. So he's a sticky, sticky Mess. You know, when they first, you know, they're very dependent when they first come out. Mom and dad have to feed them or whoever. And then you start to let them, uh, you, you start to feed them with the spoon yourself. And you just hope they open their mouth wide enough to get the whole bite in there so it doesn't get on their chin and all that. Even that, when I'm feeding them, I'm trying to wipe it off their mouth while I'm feeding them because I don't like it dripping and all that. It just stresses me out. And, um, and then you put the Cheerios and all the little puffs on their high chair tray, and they start to try to make their way to their mouth. And then eventually they try to use the spoon, and it just doesn't go well. It's just, it's, but it is a part of their developmental stage, right? They have to learn to use a spoon so that they can learn to feed themselves. And when it comes to our spiritual journey, there's a part of feeding ourselves that just gets messy, I mean, I, I know a lot of young Christians or a lot of people that are just kind of getting excited about the word and, and they're reading a passage and they'll share it with me and I'll just go, in my mind, I'm going, that's not what that means, but let's keep working at it. Let's keep trying to discover the meaning of the word of God and what God is saying. And so it, it does get messy at, time, at times. So I just want you to know that we all go through these developmental stages on our pathway to maturity. The message today it is like going back to Bible study 101. So I took some classes in college and you know that, that just helps you learn to study the Bible better. This is kind of what this is gonna feel like today. So it may feel a little bit heady. It may feel a little bit um, classroom-like, but I think it's something that you're gonna be able to leave here and you can apply it today. 
You can apply it tomorrow. When you open up the word of God and maybe start to discover things about the word of God, but wherever you are in your pathway to maturity, some of you could teach this. Some of you have been doing this a long time. You could teach me some things. But some of you are, are brand new at this, or you're in the midst of this journey, and you're struggling. You know, uh, for most of us, when we got saved and we started out in school, maybe it was in Sunday school, uh, somebody handed you a Bible and says, you just need to learn to read this. And you took it home, and it was probably the King James Version or another translation, and you took it home, and you started reading it. And you started out in Genesis, which is natural. We always start at the left-hand side of the book, right, in, in, in our culture. You start there, and you just start reading Genesis. And man, it's cool. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void and darkness. And you start reading that, and you go, oh, wow, this is how God created it all. And then you get over there, and you start reading stories like um, the Tower of Babel, which is pretty cool, and the flood, and all those different things that took place. And you're like, these are interesting stories. I remember uh, hearing a few of these things. And, and then you got into Exodus, and there's a lot of blood and guts and gore and all that kind of stuff that's going on there, and, and things that are taking place, and God split the Red Sea. And, and you start reading, then Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. What in the world is that all about? Numbers, who cares? Deuteronomy, and you're like, by the time you get there, it's like going to a shelf, collecting dust, and you'll say, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll show up on Sunday, and I'll just hear what the pastor has to say. Or I'll go sit in a class, and I'll listen to what they have to say, because this study on my own is just not going very well, because I don't understand any of it. Well, today, my goal is to teach you how to use a spoon how to pick up the spoon and feed yourselves. No more will you go to church and leave a church going, I just don't feel like I was being fed. You know why? Because you're feeding yourself. And you come in here and it's just an overflow of what we're all studying and learning together and this, these things go just so much better. So today, as we introduce this, I just want, you hear us talk a lot around here about disciple making. And I just want to kind of talk to you just a moment about setting this up because there's a difference between discipleship and disciple making. Discipleship is focused on curriculum and knowledge. So when you sit under the teaching, there's some discipleship that's taking place there. There's people imparting knowledge to you, and there's, there's maybe, if you're in a class, you're going through a curriculum, and it's all about knowledge, all about knowledge. But when it comes to disciple making, there, we differentiate that because disciple making is focused on action and multiplication. It's focused on me being able to teach you some things who you go out and teach others also. And then they go teach someone else. And it is a multiplication process of, dis of making disciples. This word's not in scripture. This word is. Go into all the world and make disciples. That's the great commission in Matthew chapter 28. Go into all the world and make disciples. And that's what we want to do. If disciple making is done correctly, we eventually learn to feed ourselves and then we feed others also who in turn learn to feed themselves. So today, you're gonna pick up the spoon. And you know what? Occasionally, it's gonna get messy. You're not gonna understand something. But what I'm gonna teach you today is a way that you can learn and discern and apply the word of God to yourself. Because listen, Pastors and Sunday school teachers and small group leaders, we don't have the corner on Bible study. God gave the word of God to all of us. He gave us his word to all of us. And let me just tell you this. The word of God is not about you, and it's not about me. The word of God is about God. 
And it's about our discovery of who God is and what God wants us to know about himself so that we can see things the way God sees things. And in turn, we begin to do things the way God says to do things. And that is the process of spiritual maturity. When your kids are young, they mind you, well, they, you want them to mind you and take your word for it. But at some point along the way, when they get to those adolescent years, those teenage years, they start to go, but why? And when they start to ask that why, you better have a good reason for your why. And let me just tell you, when God tells us to do something and not to do something, he has an excellent why. And most of the time, we can find the why in the word of God. So our spiritual health and our maturity is dependent upon our relationship with the word of God. Our relationship with the word of God needs to be a daily thing. You need to pick up the word of God every single day of your life and have a relationship with the word of God and not just let it be what happens on Sunday or in a small group or whatever the case may be in a Bible study. It needs to be something that you're in a habit of picking it up and learning what God wants to say to you. And so there's a few things that I wanna do as kind of just laying some, some groundwork, okay? Because maybe you're here and, and you're not a follower of Jesus or you just really don't believe all that's there in the Bible because there's, honestly, there's some pretty bizarre stories in there. Like that guy that got swallowed by a great fish and was spit up on the, on the shore one day. You go, I'm not so sure I can believe that as a literal story. And that's okay, that's okay. That is not a salvific story that you have to believe the story of Jonah the fish to go to heaven. But it is something that you ought to learn why God put it in there and why it is true and, and believing the word of God. And so when we look at this, the first thing I want you to know is that the word of God is inspired. This is a biblical, I mean, it's a, it's a big word and it is a biblical word. And I wanna explain to you what that means. Whenever Paul was writing to a young pastor named Timothy who was responsible for sharing and teaching the word of God to other people who would go out and teach others also, here's what Paul wrote to him. He says, the word of God or all scripture is breathed out by God. So that's what the word inspiration really means. It means that it was breathed out by God. So when Paul wrote the letters to the churches, it was the, the Holy Spirit of God breathing out and using Paul in his style of writing and the words that he chose to use, he used those things to tell us what God had inspired him to say to us. Over in 2 Peter, here's how Peter put it, that no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is inspiration. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit, the very breath of God, breathing out the words that he wanted Paul and Peter and James and Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of those New Testament writers and the Old Testament prophets and writers, all of them were, they were moved along by the Holy Spirit who wrote these things down that God wanted you and me to know about himself so that we could apply them to our lives and grow in our relationship with him. So really, inspiration is simply God breathed. It means that God breathed out. So when you hold the word of God, you are holding the very words of God that he wanted you and me to know and he chose men to write them for us. Another word that we see is the word inerrant. You may hear that. It means that the word of God is without error. Then whenever Paul and Peter and, and James and John and Matthew and Mark and Luke, whenever they wrote these, these words down, 
that they wrote them without any error. They wrote exactly what God wanted them to say. So when you hold the word of God, and you may say, well, why all the different translations? Well, you're bringing three different languages. You got Hebrews, uh, you got Hebrew, and then you've got Greek, and you got Aramaic, the three languages that the Bible was written in originally, bringing them over into the English language. So there's different ways that you can translate things, but it doesn't mean there's errors in them. So you can confidently hold the word of God, whether it's on your phone or whether it's on your tablet or whether it's in print, a print version, you can hold it knowing that it is the inspired, God-breathed word of God that is inerrant and without any mixture of error. And you can confidently know what God wants you to know about himself. So understand, first of all, that you are reading the very inspired word of God written thousands of years ago that applies to us today, which brings us to the next thing. The word of God is applicable or applicable, whichever way you pronounce that, okay? The word of God is applicable to us, to our lives today. Even though it was written so long ago, it was written for us. Here's what Paul went on to tell Timothy. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable. It is, it's good for you. It's applicable to your life. And here's how it's applicable. Number one, it's good for teaching. And I put the brackets in here to kind of help you understand, <coughs> excuse me, what each one of these words mean. Teaching is basically instruction. It's for good for reproof, which points out sin in our life. It's good for correction, which points out bad teaching. I mean, you can listen to somebody preach and maybe occasionally you'll listen to me and you go, I'm not sure that's exactly Right, and you can go to the word of God and you can look and it will correct bad teaching. And it's good for training in righteousness. It's, a, it's good for the pathway to maturity. It puts us on the right path. And that's what the word of God, it's profitable. It is good, it's beneficial to your life. Even, listen, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, the word of God is good for you. There's some things you can read in there. If you go to the book of Proverbs, and it's almost like a, a vitamin a day. It's like you just read this little proverb every single day of, of, the, of the month. Like there's 31 chapters, and so you just take, today's the 15th, and so you can just take Proverbs chapter 15, read a few verses, and you go, oh, that's my spiritual vitamin, because there's some good nuggets of truth. And even if you're not a follower of Jesus, the word of God is still profitable. It's still good for you, and you should read it, because the discovery that you'll make in there is life changing. So it's good. It's, the word of God is inspired. It's applicable. And it gives us hope. And we need some hope today, right? Look at what he goes on to say. He said it's sharper. The word of God is living and active, meaning that when you open up the pages of scripture, it's almost like God was writing directly to you. It's living and it's active. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of your soul and your spirit. So it gets down in there where it seems like there's hopelessness down in the deep, down in your soul and your spirit. And the word of God gives us hope, even in our soul and our spirit. It divides what seems indivisible and it penetrates what seems impenetrable, if that's a word. It just gets in there where nothing else can. And he says, to the joints and the marrow and discerning of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So the final thing is that it gets us right. When we read the word of God, it just sets us right. It gets us right. You can listen to me preach a message like I preached last week. Kind of, you know, got a lot of compliments on that one. Usually when you hammer on someone's sin, people, people like to get behind that. And so, but if I'm reading it on my own, I don't have to listen to a preacher preach on it. 
It's like God's word is alive and it's breathing and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it pierces down there where nothing else can penetrate. But it gets down to the heart of the matter and it gets us right because it knows my thoughts and it knows my intentions. And the thing is, you may think you know my thoughts and you may think you know my intentions, but you don't. But the word of God does. And when I start opening up the word of God, my intentions and my heart are revealed while I'm reading the word of God. So it has this ability to, to pass judgment on our motives and our faults like no one else can and nothing else can. The word of God is alive. That's why we can open it up and I can study it. I've been studying it for years and years and years and I can go through a passage even to this day and it feels like I'm reading it for the first time because it's alive and it's speaking it's because it's the very breath of God speaking the words that God wants me to hear. So it may seem overwhelming. You go, well, I don't know how to do that. I mean, I've tried. I've tried to read the word of God. I've tried to understand, and I just don't know how. Well, today, for the next few moments, I'm gonna teach you a method of Bible study. You may have your own, but I'm just gonna teach you what mine is, okay? And it is called inductive Bible study. Big word, it simply means this. There's three parts to it. There's observation, interpretation, and application. Very simple, very simple to remember. It's observation, interpretation, and then application. And that's called inductive Bible study. For me, I've got this little piece of paper in the front of my Bible that has different colors. And so I've got different ways that I highlight or underline in my Bible. And it's basically, as we'll get into in just a moment, when I underline it in a certain color, I kind of know just by reference that's what he's talking about or that's what God wants me to know or what I believe he wants me to know. But the first thing when it comes to observation, learn this years ago. Always remember that context is king. Context is king. You've got to know what the author meant when he wrote what he wrote, okay? That's by asking who, what, where, when, how, and why. Just all of those questions. Who's he writing it to? What's he writing about? Where is he? What's the setting? When did he write this? Why did he write this? And, and, and how do I apply it? And there's just some questions that we, we ask. How, who, what, when, where, and how? All of that is observation because we've got to know the context. So we don't wanna take a verse out of context. Probably one of the greatest ones that's ever taken out of context. Philippians 3.14, 4.13, 3.14, 3.14. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me just tell you, that does not apply to you opening a pickle jar, okay? It does not apply to me having aspirations to be an NFL quarterback. It does not apply to that. You gotta know what the context is. Why did Paul write that? Not just so you can go out and do anything, because you can't. You are limited in some things that you can do. But there is a reason that Paul wrote those words in Philippians. What did he mean? Context is king. Go ask yourself, who, what, where, when, why, and how? Ask those questions. And when it comes to it, just to really break it down simplistic, you've gotta know what, what you're reading, and the Bible is divided into two very distinct parts, okay? There's Old Testament or Old Covenant and New Testament or New Covenant. And they are very different. We don't read the Old Testament the same way we read the New Testament. Because if you do, you're gonna be misled. And I heard Andy Stanley say this years ago. He said, listen, when we read the Old Testament, 
Don't try to apologize for what God put in there because he put it in there for a reason. When we read the stories of the Israelites defeating the Amalekites and all the different ones that they beat up, we don't have to apologize for that because it's inspired by God and he put it in there for a reason. But we read the Old Testament different than we read the New Testament because in the Old Testament, we see the wrath of God against sin and occasionally we'll see a glimpse of grace. But in the New Testament, we see the grace of God towards sinners and occasionally we'll see a glimpse of the wrath of God. Augustine put it this way, the old is in the new revealed and the new is in the old concealed. When we read the Old Testament, we're reading that with a forward-looking faith going, what is God telling us through this Old Testament story or these Old Testament sacrifices through Leviticus, through Deuteronomy, what is he telling us about the New Testament? And when we read the New Testament, we go, oh, I see why they had the sacrificial system because all of those sacrifices that they were having was pointing to the once and for all final sacrifice named Jesus Christ. And we see the, the New Testament in the Old Testament concealed and the Old Testament in the New Testament revealed. And Augustine had this right. But to break it down even further, there are different divisions in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So we're gonna learn something today. So get your hands out. All right, we're gonna clap together. First service did this excellent, okay? So we're gonna see how well you do. We got a bigger crowd in here, but let's go. All right. Now, keep that going. Keep it going. Come on, Tom, get into it there with us. Come on. Tom can even keep, you keep that going, okay? Keep it going, keep it going. Now, keep going. I'm gonna say these numbers and you're gonna repeat after me. You ready? Here we go. 512, 5512. 512 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 5-12, 
the thing, 512, 5512, you got five books of the law, 12 books of history, five books of poetry, five major prophets and 12 minor prophets. The difference between a major prophet and a minor prophet is just the size of their book. That's the only difference. The one wasn't more important than the other. It's just the size of their book. And you can take all of these last three If you could wrap your arms around all of those books, you would drop them into these first two categories. All the prophets, major and minor, and all the books of poetry were written in the context during the historical books. So the prophets were prophesying during the books of the history. So when you're reading the first and second Samuel and Kings and Chronicles, the prophets were prophesying during that time period. So you take all of these last three categories, wrap your arms around them, and drop them into the historical books and the books of the law. Okay, that's the Old Testament. The New Testament's this, 4 one You got four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You got one book of history, which is the book of Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles. It's the establishment and the launch of the church, the book of Acts. And then you got 12 letters that were written to the churches. All the churches of Ephesus and Corinth and all those. And then you got one book of prophecy, or the apocalyptic book, the book of Revelation. If you can remember that, the 512, 512-4121-1, just with that little rhythm clap, and then you can plug those things in, you will know the context that you're reading. Because when you read a book of poetry that David wrote in the Psalms, there's a way to read that and understand it. There's a way to, to, to observe the context in which it was written. So when you can observe the context, then you can make proper interpretation. Because when it comes to interpretation, It's not just any way that you want to interpret it. When it comes to interpretation of scripture, there is always only one single accurate interpretation. And the way you arrive at that is through diligent observation. You've got to spend time observing this text and understanding. So you know what that requires? Effort. It requires some time. It requires reading the context before, after, what's going on. Maybe find a a place to go, who is this author writing it to? And just find all the context you possibly can so that you can make the accurate interpretation. And we believe and teach that there is a grammatical, historical, what we would call a literal interpretation of most all of scripture. The opposing view to that or the other view of that would be allegorical. Allegory leaves it open to whatever. We're gonna go over a little bit today. I just looked at the time and I apologize. But allegory just kind of leaves it up. Listen, when it comes to like reading the story of David and Goliath, listen, you are not David and all of your enemies are not Goliath, okay? They're not. That story is about a young shepherd boy who believed that the king of Israel could use him to defeat Goliath. And it was all about bringing glory to God because the Bible is written about God. And so we look at that and we learn to put it into proper context. We use an accurate grammatical, historical, or literal translation or interpretation of scripture where it is and not allegorical. Many preachers, many people allegorize scripture and you cannot do that. But so before asking, what does this mean to me? We have to always ask, what does this mean, period, or question mark. Not what does it mean to you? We're gonna get to that. But what does it mean? What did Paul write when Paul wrote, I can do all things through Christ? What did he mean by that? What was he writing that for? 
And then we go, what does that mean to me? Which brings us to application. And this is the final thing. And this won't take but just a minute for me to explain this to you. But application is where you take all the observation and all the interpretation. And sometimes when it comes to interpretation, you need some help along the way. There's a couple of, there's a two volume set that I use Still to this day, I've used it for years. It's called the Bible Knowledge Commentary, written by some professors down at that Dallas Theological Seminary years ago, and it is so good. There's a New Testament volume and an Old Testament volume. You can grab that for less than $100, and you can have that, and once you get to the interpretation, you can go back and test your, what your observations are against someone like that. Another single volume said, there's a John MacArthur one volume uh, commentary on the, old, on, the, on the Bible. Grab one of those, not very expensive. But when it comes to this application part, and I want you to get this today, okay, as we finish up. I came up with an acronym last night while I was watching a football game. Because I'm like, I've got these questions that I ask when I'm doing this, but they're not always easy for people to just remember. So here it is. You've got to inspect the text. Inspect the text. And when you're reading it with interpretation and then for application, you ask yourself, is there a sin that I need to avoid? Is there something that's written here that, that calls out a sin that I need to be careful to avoid? And this is where my colors come in. I start underlining different things in different colors. Is there a promise that I need to know? Has God made a promise that, that, that I need to keep in mind? And you might wanna write that separately in a journal or on a piece of paper to remind yourself, is there a promise I need to know? Is there an example here that I need to follow? You could look at that story of David and Goliath and see David's example. And that's a great application to that passage, that David was an example that we all need to follow, that we gotta trust in God no matter what and believe that he can defeat anybody and everything, that he is over all the earth and he is sovereign over all things. Is there an example I need to follow? Is there a command that I need to obey? And finally, is there a truth that I need to believe? And you just use this inspect, S-P-E-C-T, and use that as kind of your application process as you're working through a passage of scripture. Now there's a challenge that I issued at the very beginning of the year, January the 1st, the video that I did, something that God has convicted me about and, and I'm challenged to do this this year, and that is to memorize the Sermon on the Mount. It's a big undertaking for a 52 year old, am I 52? 52. Um, for a 52 year old to memorize three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, 5, 6 and 7, but I'm gonna try it. So it's two verses a week for the whole year. But I don't wanna just memorize it for memorization's sake. I wanna know what it means because when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, this was what Jesus said, this great sermon that Jesus preached and basically what he was saying, this is what the kingdom of heaven on earth should look like. This is the, the kingdom ethic that we should all live by. And so as I'm looking at that, I'm asking myself, is there a sin to avoid, a promise to know, an example to follow, a command to obey, or a truth that I need to believe? And you study that, and so it helps it not just sink in here, but it helps it to sink in here, which is really where scripture needs to go ultimately anyway, to our hearts. So if you wanna join me in that, this is a great Bible study for the whole year. And you have a way to do that through inductive Bible study, observation, interpretation, and application and asking yourself the right questions along the way because the more we know what God says, the more we'll see as God sees. And the more we see as God sees, the more we'll do as God says. Because if I could see my marriage the way that God sees my marriage, 
I will treat my wife the way God says, treat my wife. If I could see my kids and my grandkids the way God sees my kids and my grandkids, I'll treat them the way God says, treat them. No questions asked. If I could see the people who in my flesh, I don't really care a lot for, if I could see them the way God sees them, I believe I would treat them the way God says to treat them. No questions asked. And the way I learned that is by reading his word and studying his word. Study to show myself approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We all have that responsibility. So today, not one of those messages that I think brings a lot of conviction. I just hope it just brings a challenge to you to pick up the word of God and learn to use the spoon. Learn to feed yourself. Because when you do that, we're all gonna benefit from it. We're all gonna grow in our relationship with Christ. And when we gather here today, it'll just be an overflow of what God is doing in our lives day in and day out. So let's all stand together. But listen, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you this. If you're here today and you do not have a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, the whole word of God that was written was ultimately for the glory of God through your salvation and my salvation, through us coming to know Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, so that when we leave this earth, we know where we'll spend eternity. And so if you'd like to know that today, meet one of us down here at the front. We'll have some deacons down here, Tom and myself, or meet us back in the VIP room right after we're done with the service. So Father, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, it's my prayer today that we will consume more of it, that God will sink deep into our hearts and change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.